This morning, we're in part three of Love Is, and today I've entitled it, Love is Welcoming. Just think about that one word with me for a moment, welcoming. It's, it's so important to the church. It's really so important to organizations. It's important to schools. It's important to all of life that we create warm, enthusiastic, welcoming atmospheres. Like you go to a restaurant. How many of you love to go to a restaurant and they go, hey, find your own seat? Hey, I don't even care if you come back. I mean, you'd be like, man, forget them. I don't want to be there. You know, churches, schools. Matter of fact, I'm going to start it a little bit different. See if this thing's going to come up, this first picture of this little girl. Anybody know who she is? She created, she was like 16, 17 years old, and she created this app. It was really interesting. Her name is Natalie Hampton. And she created this app because she was concerned about kids, maybe she had been one, that were displaced, that seemed to not fit in. If you will, for just a moment, go back to junior high. That's what we called it. We didn't call it middle school. Go back to junior high with me for a moment. How many of you want to go back? I don't. Junior hires can be some of the nicest people you've ever met. Not true. How many of you remember when you were in junior high or high school and somehow you felt like you were a little bit left out? Raise your hands. Yeah. Or you go to the lunchroom or you go to a class and you're like, man, nobody left me a chair. There's nobody to sit with. And this little girl, it's pretty amazing, she came up with this app that kids could clue into and there would be a place for them. They could find a seat at a table. There were people that were already preparing for them because of her and others. They'd been ostracized. They had been pushed aside by their classmates. So things were really rough. They, they understood rejection. They knew what it was to feel extremely isolated and alone. And like, man, to endure another day of ridicule or not fitting in. So she came up with this app, and it's kind of interesting because in the process of that, they, it was like pre-lunch planning, and you, you would get on this app, and you could find a table. You could find a spot. You could find some kids that were preparing themselves for you. Like, we want you to sit at the lunch table with us. And if you've ever been one that's been alone and somebody invites you in, even let's, let's go from junior high to adulthood. Let's go to a new community. We've just moved in. And people don't tend to be so friendly. And you know what it is. You're looking for somebody who wants to invite you. Hey, invite you over to my house. Invite you to my church. Invite you to join my tennis club. Invite you to join something. It feels good, doesn't it? Because welcoming is, is dynamic. Welcoming is warmth. Welcoming, I would say, is Christ-likeness. So in the church of Jesus Christ, I think the church should be the most welcoming body. You know, this morning, it's kind of interesting, we're way off. So many people last weekend, the crowds were swelling up the day they're down. But hey, that's just the summer tide here in Montgomery. I mean, when you're 45 minutes to the lake, you're three hours to the Gulf, you're two and a half, three hours to Atlanta, there's just a lot of travel, okay? But you know what it is to be welcomed and not be welcomed. Even now, I was intrigued with this idea, so I started reading about this one that struggled with autism. Maybe a low level, maybe it's high level, I don't know, but they had found out that that impairment would isolate so many kids from being a part of a community at a school. And this one story that I read, it was kind of interesting, they asked, who did you eat lunch with today, Johnny? Susie, who did you eat lunch with? And something would mumble out, I don't know. It just didn't fit in. And, and, and then I saw where this, it was really neat, some teachers got together 
And, you know, I, I love the teaching profession. I have a lot of teachers in my family, and they realize that the influence that they have is life-changing. How many of you are grateful for teachers this morning? Man, they've helped shape our lives, or they're shaping our kids' lives. And they create this atmosphere, and this particular ones, they just said, you know what, we want to create a safe place, a sanctuary at our school for kids that maybe struggle in this manner. And they would have like maybe a special ed teacher or a therapist or somebody that would sit in different parts of the lunchroom and kids would begin to get invited in and trying to get integrated into what the school was. The whole theme in both of these were schools can be a brutal place, schools can be a healing place, school can be a place of interaction and fun. I, I, I know myself, I know what maybe not to have a lot of friends and then to have so many friends I couldn't keep up with them. So I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Maybe you have. I, I don't know. You're saying, well, Keith, I, I just kind of, just the way life's dealt with me, and I just go, that's what it is. Here's one that I found as a pastor. It's very tough. You can all, they can almost seem like a leper because I've done a lot of weddings in my years as a pastor. Sometimes you show up at a wedding, and there's the rehearsal night, and it can get a little, rather intense, or the next day can be, whoo, and somebody is not welcome it's the ex-husband it's the, uh, the ex-wife mom or dad and you just feel the tension raise your hands if you have ever been in a situation like that you know what i'm talking about come on raise them high i want to know that i'm in good company you know like man this atmosphere is like i can i hope they have really good food at the reception i hope there's a really good band so we can dance because man right now it is rough in this room Yet you go to other wedding occasions and they're truly a party. They're a celebration of the goodness of God and the love for one another. So I'm trying to build a case this morning about a welcoming atmosphere, a place that everybody's welcome. Remember that great show? I don't know if it's a great show, but it's a show and it definitely had a, a kind of a kingdom theme when you think about what, it, I'm not saying it was kingdom there, but the, the process cheers. Everybody knows your, you watched it, did you? Yeah, everybody knows your name. You know, in the church should be like that, that people, at least some people know your name. Some people call you out. Some people invite you to do things with them. Like today, I like what a chap said. Ask somebody what their favorite restaurant is. And several of you name people's homes. Man, that, those are the best. Or other restaurants. But I hope that we would begin to learn, especially as we launch next weekend with this new process of discussion, small group, type the message to the people, and we connect with each other. I pray. Pray for that. But I want, I want you to look. I want you to look there in Romans 14. Would you open your Bibles? Many of them, you brought them. You didn't. You can look there on your phone real quick. If not, you can just listen. Uh, I don't know. Did, did I put this on the screen? Chrissy, is it going to come up? No, I, I didn't put it. It's a really long passage. But listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. They're powerful. And see if it maybe we can make application this morning. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him, him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or he falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And one man considers one day more sacred than another, and another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special so or does so to the Lord, and he who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who abstains does so to the Lord, and gives 
thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Verse 9. For this very reason, Christ died returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. And you then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Man, God bless your holy word. God, speak to us through this living book. How many believe this book right here is alive and breathing and has the power to transform your life? How many believe that today? That's why every weekend I proclaim God's word. For me to get up and tell stories or anecdotes or whatever, that's well and good. But at the end of the day, it's God's eternal transforming word that changes our lives and gives it meaning and purpose and hope. So as we look at this, I just look at this basis thing look here with me galatians 5 14 the whole law can be summed up in this one command love your neighbor as yourself that's what god wants us to do he wants us to love ourselves and most of us don't have a problem with that you could have a problem with that but as much as i love myself as much as you and i possibly want to put ourselves first love others who is my neighbor it's the one next to me it's the one in the next cubicle. It's the one in the next office. It's in the one that I'm going to make the call to. It's in the one that lives in the next cul-de-sac. I, I don't know who's your neighbor. It's just whoever's out there. And God, help us to love those people. Because the Apostle Paul here, he's talking here about strong faith and weak faith. He talks about people eating meat that's prepared, that's right, that's not. He talks about eating meat. He talks about eating vegetables. And it's funny when I, and, and he didn't mean it like this to be funny, but when I see eating vegetables, I think about little kids. How many little kids like vegetables? And then, he talk, and then some people talk about, man, this day is more important than that day, and this day is more sacred than that one, and we should worship on Saturday, and we should worship on Sunday, but who, whatever you've decided in your mind and heart, then do that as unto the Lord. The whole thing is be faithful to Christ, be faithful. And some are like, no, we've got to keep the Jewish law and the Jewish ritual, and that's when we can only eat these certain foods, and that's when we have to eat these vegetables, and you definitely see the practices of Scripture, of the Levitical Code, and oh no, the dietetical law, and how important that was. And I think about Daniel, he decided, he resolved within himself, decided that he would not defile himself, he would only eat the, the, the best food, not the royal food that would put on the weight and do bad for him. And then I look at today, there's so much preference in our world when we think about welcoming. We welcome people into our lives if they're like us. If they're not like us, sit at your own table. Hey, get an app for that, you know what I'm saying? And I would say this, in my years of living, I have never seen America more polarized, separated than I have today. Let me dig down a little more deeper and make you more uncomfortable. I've never seen the church collectively more polarized and separated than I have today. And I think it is time for the love of Christ to come in and fill the broken, cracked, cracked places that we might lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? I mean, man, you can watch the news and you can pick your news channel of choice and you can get irritated, you can get happy, and you can, and, and I'm amazed how many people blow up their opinions on Facebook. Can I just tell you something? Just because we have social media does not mean that you need to put your opinion out there about everything you think. 
And everybody said, that's pretty good. You know, I'm amazed. I know some people that go, my goal is to pick fights with the world on social media. There is nothing spiritual. There's nothing theological about that. If anything, I I could build a case, I think, for the dark demonic side. Because God wants us to, to, you know, realize that some people have a a weaker conscience than than us. And, And the scripture talks about that over in 1 Corinthians 8. And some people walk around feeling guilty about almost everything anyway. And we can kind of hype on that uh, guiltiness and there's conflict and on and on. So let's look at some points here. Number one, welcome can be broken down by legalism. I got to tell you, folks, the longer you grow in Christ, if you're not careful, if you're not centered on the person of God, of Christ, if you're not into and saturated and permeated with grace, you can become a religious legalist legalists are just not very fun i think they start out they maybe love god's law they love his word they're into that but somehow truth trumps grace but we need grace and truth we need to find the balance of that and i don't want us to be so grace oriented that we don't stand for truth but then if we're so truth oriented that we're just so mean-spirited and there's no grace in us God, speak to us about what that means this morning. But legalism, we're all acceptable by God through grace and faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. God, we're made in your image. We're image barriers. Uh, the, you know, the legalistic camp, they have all these requirements, and, and, and the more sometimes you grow in grace and the more that you grow in the law and the more you grow in your understanding and knowledge, and, and, and the Bible says grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, and that's so important. But if you're not careful, you can get a little big-headed, legal-minded that you just want to put down everybody else that doesn't think like you. They do. Like, here, we'll, we'll, we'll have it this way. I remember growing up hearing about this and certainly being a pastor and being a community church. We have these different streams that converge into the body of Christ, into one body, and I love that. So I've had the, uh, the privilege of pastoring people that come from all these different streams, and I have pastor friends, all the streams in the body of Christ, and we agree on things, and we don't agree on things, but we agree on the essentials. But like, here's one. Here, here could be a legalistic movement in the church, and I've certainly read and heard and talked to people. Women can't wear pants. Can you imagine if next weekend the elders said, women, you are no longer allowed to come into our church without wearing pants? Okay. Women can't wear skirts that go above their ankles. Some of you are like, huh? Women cannot cut their hair. Women cannot wear jewelry. Some of you be like, I'm out of this church. Now here's one. Women cannot wear makeup. Turn to the woman next to you and say, I'm so glad you put on your makeup this morning. Don't, don't do that. That'd be a great way to split a church. But there are churches that, man, this is not scripture. That's just what they've deemed that this is what this is a doctrine they practice in the church. Here's one. Women cannot enter their church without their heads covered. Women cannot expose their toes in the church building. Just look down at your feet right now, women. Aren't you glad that you can wear sandals? Here we go. Men and women cannot watch secular non-Christian movies. There, there are whole movements built on that. Man, if you watch a movie, you go to hell. Like, what? 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 Man, give me the scripture on that one. Here we go. Uh, men and women can't listen to secular music. Now, granted, there's probably some music we don't need to listen to. I'll let you and the Holy Spirit discern that. But I tell you, 
there's a lot of good music you can listen to that's not necessarily Jesus, although that's my primary, and that's the ones I love to listen to it. And is everybody okay with that? Hello? Okay, this isn't rhetorical. Okay, here we go. Men and women cannot have Christian, can have, cannot have non-Christian friendships. I'm thinking, that's not the dumbest law I've ever heard. How are you going to win the unsaved world if you don't mix with that? Men and women cannot date even other Christians because dating is not in the Bible. Okay, I don't think that's a good one. Men can't wear jeans in the church building. <laughs> Men and women can't read any other version of the Bible but the King James. This is the NIV. I do the NLT. I mean, I, I do so many different translations here. I do that on purpose just so I can mess you up. No, I have, I have memorized this for 40 years, the, the NIV. About 10 years ago, I started reading the NLT, but, man, I, I read them all, and I studied the Greek and the Hebrew and all that, but the bottom line is I want you to read the Word of God. And the church said... But we're not going to like, man, if you don't read that one translation, you're, you're not a part of the kingdom. Well, that, that, that is not scriptural. I mean, that's a man-made rule. Okay. But so we're talking about this thing, legalism. So I want you to write down this out there. It says, welcome is broken down by legalism. Write down this. Legalism is adding anything to the gospel. The gospel is sufficient in itself. And it doesn't need to have a bunch of add-ons. We don't need Jesus plus a bunch of add-ons. So legalists, you're like, man, okay, Pastor, I'm with you about that. You know, I, I think the simplicity of the gospel is good enough that Jesus loves me, that God, His grace is sufficient, that God calls me to holiness and lifestyle and practice. I, I want to follow Him. Lord, I want to go after you. But let's look at the second one. Welcome is broken down by being opinionated. <laughs> you, any of you ever have an opinion? Hello? You ever have an opinion? Do you share that opinion? Yeah. Hey, I see you back there, Mary. And you know what? You're teaching a self-defense course, so you can be opinionated. Okay, here we go, because she's going to throw you. Okay. And when somebody is extremely opinionated, what do they do? They share it with you quickly. And you should agree with them if you want to come back and have fellowship with them. And, we, and, and it gets loud, and it gets boisterous. And, and I think about... Uh, with social media again, it gets so trumped in this religious movement in the name of Christianity, and people just bombard us sometimes with their opinions. And in opinions, you know, sometimes I would say this, when your opinion does not agree with me, you must be a heretic. No. When your opinion doesn't agree with me, and it's not something that we've gone anti-biblical, that we've gone against the Scripture, it's strictly your opinion. I've learned this the hard way. Sometimes our opinions need to be kept to ourselves. And the church said, you know what? Somebody needs to tweet that today. Our pastor said today, some of you need to keep your opinions to yourself and exalt and lift high the name of Jesus. Would you please, don't just go in there. Our pastor said, keep your opinion to yourself, stupid. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, I didn't mean to say that. All right, don't, don't, don't do that. Make sure you put the exalt Christ, that you lift up high Jesus. But sometimes our opinions just get us in trouble. Man, I, I know mine have. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you know, you, you think your opinion matters, and maybe it does. But in, in biblical matters, we want to check here. God, what does your word say? Lord, am I being consistent with Scripture? Holy Spirit, check my heart. Check me and see if I walk in the truth of your word or if there's error. And if a brother or sister sees that you're in sin... And it's not their opinion, but it's a scriptural admonition. 
be gentle and receive their gentle rebuke because they care for you. It's the beautiful thing about small groups and relationships. People can speak truth into your life. I hear things, you, you can't imagine as a pastor having theological grids that I've been trained in, and I hear things, and sometimes I go, ah! And, you know, I, I can't go around like, okay, beating everybody up. You just got to go, okay, this is clearly against Scripture, so I'm going to speak into it. Others, I go, this is my preference, this is my opinion, and sometimes, sometimes I'll say, this is my opinion on this. And people, pastor, what's your opinion on that? If it's a clear-cut scriptural conviction, I go, this is a conviction based on the Word of God. I share that with you. This is what I think to be in harmony with the Word of God. This is an opinion that I have. and You can take it or you can leave it. Is this helping anybody but me? Do we need to hear a word like this in the church today? Because love is welcoming. We, we want to receive people. We want them to look unto, set their gaze upon Jesus. Look into his wonderful face. I mean, Lord, help us to see who you are and not always why people are wrong. Uh, I think we are obligated as the body of Christ, though, to hold people accountable to the Scripture and its teachings. That's the thing that perplexes me in 2019 as we head to 2020. I, I think 2020 is the coolest thing. I remember thinking about 2020 when I was a senior in high school. I remember as a young adult in my first and second child thing in 2020. And here it is now, 2020, right in the, in, in, in the mirror. It's, it's, it, 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 it's, I'm looking right at it. I'm thinking, man, 2020. 2020 means focus, clarity. And I pray, God, make us a church that's clear. Make us a church that runs after you. And Lord, when there be disputable matters, one translation talks about in this section I'm talking about from Romans 14 today, then if it's disputable, and it's not in harmony with you, or, or, or it's not against the Scripture, then help me to maybe keep my mouth shut and to listen. But Lord, if it's strictly forbidden in your Word, God, if you've clearly taught that this is not the character and the habit of a Christ follower, then give me voice. Give me kingdom authority to speak through Jesus. But help me to speak gently, with love in my heart, with passion and with conviction. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? Hello? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just trying to encourage us as the body of Christ because this weekend seems like, you know, people say, oh, we're believers, we're believers. Then I want to give you a message that's like trying to challenge us of how we deal with the unsaved, unregenerated world or the people that are like lukewarm. Listen to what the Puritan Richard Baxter said. You, you've heard this. You probably never knew that Richard Baxter said it, but listen to this. In essentials, unity in non-essentials liberty but in all things charity and that would be the response of a follower of jesus I, I i've got pastor friends we agree on the core tenets of faith the infallibility of scripture the authority of christ the shed blood of christ the the sin nature of man the redemptive nature of the lord jesus christ we are saved by grace in the mercy of Christ. Those are things that I, I cannot come into fellowship with as far as that movement unless we can agree on that. But there's other things, oh my goodness, we can say, but our doctrine and our denomination or whatever is different on this and this and this. And we've chosen that, hey, we can still have fellowship. We just read that a little differently. It's okay. Uh, minor issues, non-essential issues. In recent years, churches have split over about how much water should be used in baptism. That's a big one. 
Should we baptize in the name of Jesus only or in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Trinity? Churches, I read this, I thought this was interesting. Churches have a split over wedding rings. Is it appropriate to give and receive a wedding ring, or is that worldly? Okay. Splits occur over this, over the second coming of Christ, his timing and pre, mid, and post. You know, all, all that you get into all this eschatology and people want to split hairs and they want to fight. I will assure you, some of us are wrong on some of that. We all can't be right on that. And I've even heard about churches splitting when the Dr. Billy Graham was living. Should we support a, a Billy Graham crusade or should we not support it? I mean, you, and here, here's the modern day. I started a contemporary church 23 years ago. And some people said, it's only a fad. It won't last. So people split over where we can only sing hymns or we, or we can sing hymns or we can only sing contemporary music. And, not, and how dare them bring those in the church? I used to hear that a lot. They're bringing drums to the church. Oh, help them, Jesus. I think Jesus did help us with the drums. And the church said, I love the drums. How many of you love the drums? Somebody said, well, I love them. They're just a little loud. No, no, they're not. We built an enclosure around them. Jimmy plays for the glory of Christ. And, oh, man, I love what Jimmy and Nexton and others do and how and, ele and, and electric guitars. I mean, I thank God for instruments. How many are grateful for instruments this morning? They're wonderful. And yet one of my best friends, one of my best friends right down the road that's been on this stage with me, we've done marriage and parenting conferences. Listen, listen. He's Church of Christ. And they don't have instruments. And we don't have fellowship anymore. That is not true. Do you know what they're talking about in their church? They're talking possibly possibly about adding instruments to their service this fall and maybe one of their services yeah we have corrupted him <laughs> you're going wow see i mean it's just so many things essential non-essential on and on and on the divinity of christ the way of salvation those things dogma if you will we we've got to agree on that those are core christian tenets we need dogma I mean, that word's kind of interesting to me, dogma, but, it, but I know. And, and then the doctrine I'm talking about is the de denominational blend, spill, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Church of God, Assembly of God, on and on and on, community churches, whatever. But Lord, but then there's opinion. And our opinions are simply our opinions. And sometimes we give more voice to our opinions than we do to the, to the word of the living Christ. And I pray that we'd go, God, I want to be biblical. That's why I invite you every weekend, bring your scriptures, read your Bibles every day, have a personal devotional life with Jesus. Ask Jesus, uh, here it is, expose yourself to scripture every day and experience Christ. And the church said, I know you're going, I've not agreed with everything you've said today, but I agree with that. Amen. Amen. Experience Jesus. That's, that's what I want you to do. Right now, I am seeing fights in the body of Christ like I've never seen. I've gotten to where I can hardly look at social media about men and women of faith that I love and admire in the blasting toward one another. It's a tough day. It's a tough day. So, third, look at it. Here we go. Welcome is broken down by judgmentalism. Huh. I don't even know if judgmentalism is a word. Some of the ones in the office says, yeah, judgmentalism is not a word. I said, it's a Keithism. Okay. You, you, you know what a Keithism is? I took academic liberty. Okay, here we go. All right. 
Romans 14, 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And then he goes on, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Here's the thing I'd say, judging, so much of my judgment and yours is superficial. It's not honoring to Christ. We judge people so many times based on their skin color, their academic pursuit or lack of pursuit, their accents, their, their clothes, their birthplace, their Oh, no, no, no. We, we can just come down a whole list of reasons why we judge people. But we don't need to. We need to leave Christ to be the judge. Some of us don't believe that God's able to judge, and he is. He's able to take care of his world and his, his, his people. So, Lord, we relinquish those to you and help us to... T- write down John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly, says Matthew. When we judge people based on their appearance without getting to know them, we're in radical disobedience of Jesus. Lord, I want to be an obedient follower. I know my friends do. That's why we've gathered to be instructed by your word today that we could not judge on the surface. We don't want to judge hypocritically. Oh, I'm judging this. I don't judge in that. Hey, I'm going to be a hypocrite. Like, here we go. Like, you've heard people say, uh, I can't believe someone would gossip so much about other people, and then we just slam the person. Or I can't believe they did that, and then we do the very same thing. And then we go, well, you know, I, I can't believe they always want to be the center of attention. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to peel it back. I've said that. I can't believe they want to be the center of the, of the universe, of the attention. And if I look in my heart, maybe you look in your heart, it might be that you said, but I wanted to be the center of attention. You're like, ugh, the judgment. I got to take the board out of my own eye. Like, Lord, help me to see it. And then look right in the middle of the page. Circle it. Judgmentalism destroys a welcome. If we're known as the judging church and we're so harsh and critical and there's no grace and there's no balance of grace and truth, we destroy our, our corporate witness for Jesus and for the church. And Lord, we want to have your lens. We want to look like you look. Lord, we want to look at the depth of our own sin and how you have had mercy and forgiveness. Man, I, I can get on my high horse probably like you, and I can judge quickly. And yet, if I look at the cross and I look at my own sin, my own depravity, and my own shortfalling of the glory of God, his grace is sufficient. His grace is enough for me, and his grace is enough for you. And I'm maybe I won't be as harsh. Maybe I won't judge like I have. So look at the, the last three points. Then how, how then is welcome maybe built up? How is welcome lifted in our lives? Well, I would say this, that we are made in the image of God. Number one, or I call it point A, I didn't put it on there. Welcome is built by knowing who we are. We know who we are. In the ancient world, there was a king which set up an image or a statue in it was a representation of the king that ruled, and some people would pay honor to that image, if you will. And yet, there is a king, and his name is Jesus, and we're made in the image of our God, and he is to be worshipped above all things, and we should bow humbly before him in heart, in attitude, in speech. So, Lord, we want to declare war on the things of this world we want to declare war on the things of the flesh we want to declare war on sin that we might lift high christ lord we believe that you are sufficient that you are able 
Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust that you can speak to me. I trust that you can speak to my friend. I, I've, I tell you this often, God speaks primarily through the word of God. Primarily. But he does choose to speak through his Holy Spirit. He chooses to speak through our conscience. He chooses to speak through dreams. How many believe God speaks sometimes through dreams? I do. He still speaks. I, I read this scripture over and over and over, and it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God still speaks. He's given us his living word, but he's speaking to us if we'll listen to him. So, Lord, we want to welcome you in this house. We want you to straighten out our wrong patterns of thinking. Man, I've I got some patterns that need shifting, and probably so do you. So, God, help us to get our thinking and align with your word, with your spirit, and lead us in the ways of Christ. God, help us to honor you. And then look at the second one. Welcome is built by knowing who God is. God can make things right on his own timetable. God, you are holy. You are above all other gods. God, your ways are higher than my ways. I'm so glad God is sovereign and rules and reigns and is so much bigger than me. If I was running this universe, man, it'd be a lot smaller. <laughs> People would disagree with me. I mean, how many of you feel like you'd have been knocked out pretty quick if you were running the universe? You're like, yeah, man, you messed up. Back of the line. Back of the line. You're out of here. No, man, God is slow. He's so loving and merciful, calling us to himself. Grace. God, your grace is amazing. Lord, look, look at this. Just write it down. Welcome is built by knowing what the gospel is. That, Lord, I want to be known as a, a gospel-first person. I don't want to know, be known as an opinion, harsh, judgmental Christian. I'm going to be known as a gospel person, a person that loves mercy and grace, a person that loves the riches and the forgiveness of Christ, a person that pursues God, that seeks after him. Seek after me while you may be found, says the scripture. Oh, it's time for us to seek the Lord together. Our, our unity, you know where our unity comes from? It'll never come from our pol politics. In this room, I have purposed for 23 years to never make this a political platform. And I'm going to stay true to that. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, on and on. And you can just start splitting hairs and getting people riled up and fired up. I just want us to be gospel-centric. And the church said, and the church said, God, we want to be centered around your gospel. And we, as we can disagree, we can have different opinions, and we can have our convictions, and we should share those when they're biblical. But I know this, we're all, we're all lost without the hope of Jesus Christ. I don't care where you end up. Without Jesus, as my grandson would say, you're doomed. We need Christ. We need Him. We fall short of the glory of God. But in Christ, we have a common identity and influence and indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to make us like Him, to be His image bearer. May the church begin to welcome people that look different than us, that act different than us. But I guess at the end of the day, can we still keep pointing them to Jesus and pointing them up to Him, that we show more of who Christ is. For Paul, in this particular passage of the weak and the strong, I think Paul would say this. To go deep is to go gospel. 
Write that down. That's worth tweeting or whatever. I hate Doug's not here. He'd put that up this week. To go, to go deep is to go gospel. And that's what I pray. As a fellowship, God, help us to go deep in the riches of your love and your grace. And help us to go with the gospel. And help us to overcome our patterns of sin. And transform us by the Holy Spirit because you're great in this place. You're to be praised. Lord, help us to regard money as a gift from you. Help us to look at money the way you see money. Help us to look at our enemies the way you see our enemies. Help us to look at relationships the way you see relationships. Help us to look at our neighbor as you see our neighbor. God, give us eyes to see what you see. The the Apostle Paul in Ephesians said would enlighten the eyes of my heart. That's what I pray this morning. God, give me eyes for the kingdom. Give my friends eyes for the kingdom that we see you, that we spend significant amounts of time on our knees, seeking the face of God. Lord, grace and truth fused together. Grace, truth, combining, fusing, coming together, forming us, shaping us to be more like Christ. God, that is impossible. But with God, all things are. Amen. In the evangelical church today, and we are an evangelical church, the hard edge of truth has crushed many. But we need an expression of the love and the grace and the truth of Christ triumphing over judgment. God, help us to be that kind of church. Help us to center on you. Lord, give us minds and hearts to think about the implications of the gospel. God, I want, us to shape, I want you to shape our place. I want you to form us. I want you to, when, when Chap comes back this spring, help him to see the move of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, building a more authentic community of followers of Jesus that genuinely love Him. Lord Jesus, help us to long for Your appearing, for He will come again, He's promised in His Word. May we be found ready to receive Him, the King of glory. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, we are grateful for today and the welcoming love of our Savior, of how Christ welcomes us. Father, I'm reminded today, I'm thinking of Luke 15, the prodigal son. You had the rebellious son that wanted his noun and he squandered it and he went off to the far country. And then you had the religious son that thought he could earn his way. But God... You took that prodigal, you took that rebellious son, and you were looking for him, and you welcomed him back home. You welcome us into your family, God, by faith in Jesus. And help us to build a redeeming fellowship that welcomes the unloved, that welcomes the sinner by grace. 
Help us, Lord, to be a fellowship that would bear the marks in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we need you today. Our world needs you like never before. Break down the division and build up the church, the army of the living Christ. I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that against that day, that which I have entrusted to him. Entrust your heart fully to Jesus. Make that our prayer in the name of Christ. Amen.